Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi, and welcome to Reloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm Marie Stella, your host from Melbourne, Australia. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show and a very happy new year to everyone out there. Today, we're exploring the science behind how effective dialogue can serve as a catalyst for a thriving relationship, especially during the fresh start of a new year. And joining us is established psychotherapist Kelly Miller, who will be graciously bestowing us with her expert insights. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So I'm really curious to know, have you found that the New Year's period has been particularly effective for your clients in re-establishing their goals and their relationships? And why is this so? Sure. So I think absolutely. I think the New Year is a time for most people to reevaluate their goals, their life. They've had a full year to kind of view and look at it. And this New Year serves as this sort of check-in period, and especially with couples, I absolutely do see that. That makes a lot of sense. And that's an amazing introduction to our topic for the day. But before we get further into detail, we'd like to get to know you better. So this is Have You Met Kelly. What do you like to do in your spare time? So I am a huge animal lover. So I will spend a lot of time with my dog, which is a whippet. It's like a smaller greyhound. I'll go hiking. (gasps) Yeah. Um, That's adorable. I'll do like an animal rescue. Um, I have two boys, 14 and almost 11. So spend some time with them, a lot of time with friends. Um, That's where to find me. That's great. Uh, For a moment, I thought you were referring to your boys as the animals. (laughs) And I was like, that's really funny. Animals at times. My mom makes that joke too. Uh, But do you have a favorite animal? Yes. And you're going to laugh so hard because guess what it is? A kangaroo. <gasps> I mean, I they are pretty cute. And <laughs> it's also like, I guess it's one of those things where if it isn't like in within your proximity, it like you kind of just get more enthralled by it. Like we don't get raccoons here. And my favorite animal is a raccoon oh, because no. I've never seen one in real life and they just look so adorable. They do look cute, don't they? Yeah, I know. But I heard that they go into people's trash all the time. They do. <laughs> and they're apparently not very nice. So yeah. they look very cute, but apparently not so nice. Yeah. It's kind of like distance that makes my heart just go like, ooh. But yep. like I, I'm certain that if they were the if they were rummaging my trash, yeah. I wouldn't be so enthralled by them. Right. Um, <laughs> it's just like kangaroos. They they can be really frightening if you see one up close um so yeah that's right um do you read any books yes i do i typically no surprise like a lot of self-help um a lot of non-fiction is typically my Mm go-to i would have you got a favorite 
Yes. So when things fall apart by Pema Chodron is a wonderful book. And it's, you know, obviously we all go through challenges in our life. And I think it's a book that I return to often just to kind of center and ground. So that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, that's really for, nice. For nonfiction and kind of the, you know, the heavy stuff. I have some for the lighter, but that's, that's my favorite for that. So what about it makes it your favorite? I think the, the advice is, is timeless, right? And it's um, a reminder that, you know, things are never good or bad. They just are. Um, and I think that, you know, we can also, we can get caught up in our perceptions of things and want to attach meaning to something. And it's, it's sort of freeing to look at it from that perspective. So that's why I like it. Yeah, that's really good advice because I am one of those people who attaches meaning to every single thing. Like I will look at trash and I'll be like, that means something. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got to read no, this book, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> that might, really. yeah, that might make, that might give me some perspective. Um, what about films? Do you have a favorite or like a favorite yes. genre? This is kind of random, but there was a film that came out years ago and it's called Her. And it was way before kind of AI and Siri and everything. And it was about, it was with Joaquin Phoenix and he falls in love with kind of like a Siri type device. And I just think it's so well done. And it just, it kind of was a foreboding of, of what was going to happen today and, and kind of how much we rely on technology. But it was a very moving movie. So for some reason, that's always been one of my favorites. Yeah, that's I've got to check that out because I haven't watched that yet. And it sounds really interesting. And I might find it relatable because Siri's voice is just kind of very, it's very calming. So yeah. <laughs> um, what about podcasts? Is there one that you listen to? Yes. So I love Super Soul Sunday uh, from Oprah because I think that she has such a great variety of guests. Uh, for humor, I like Smartless with um, uh, Jason Bateman, and it's just one of those really funny. Um, I also like We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle. Um, so, you know, things that are kind of uplifting, I tend yeah. to like. Those sounds really good to distress to, kind of like after work and all like... Exactly. Yeah. In that in, in in that sense, um, what about role models? Is there someone that you look up to in life, uh, be it celebrity or like a family member? Sure, um, I love Michelle Obama. I love her strength. I love her confidence. I love her authenticity. Uh, there's like a realness to her that I think. And then obviously she does a lot of good good in the world, and so she's one of my favorites. Absolutely. I think um, lots of people can agree with you there. So you're in good company. Um, thank you so much for answering my questions. I feel like we got to know a bit about you. Um, and now we'll move on to the interview section. And the first question that we like to ask is, what is a relationship? And how would you describe a relationship? Because it does kind of vary from person to person. Um, yeah. So I would say just in a broad definition, a relationship is an intimate connection with another human. Because to me, a relationship can be, it can be a relationship with your brother, your partner, your mother. So it's a it's an intimate relationship with another human. Yeah, you see, this is why we ask every guest this question because everyone has a different answer. And I remember getting um, an answer from, from a, 
another guest that was like, well, a relationship is kind of like as long as you have um, connected with someone in any kind of way or like talk to someone in any kind of way, like, for example, your postman or your mailman or like the coffee shop person, like, um, whereas your answer was like intimate connection and both definitions are completely valid and right, you know, that they're right in their own ways, uh, but it does kind of set the tone for like whatever we're about to talk about next. Um, yeah, so in your opinion, does a relationship still hold the same meaning, structure, importance as decades ago? I actually would say I think it means more today than it did previously because I think there's so many more distractions today that the relationships that we have hold much more meaning because they're more valuable to have that face-to-face connection with somebody, to sit down and talk with somebody versus being on text or phone. So to me, it feels more important than it did decades ago. Absolutely. And um, I think also because decades ago, it was kind of like a cultural or social norm to just get married. It's kind of like you're expected to do that. Um, so people get into relationships and marry pretty quickly, whereas now it's not so much an it's not so much an expectation. So when you do get married, it means a bit more in the sense of like there is no expectation, but we want to get married because we want to. Um, so in that sense, it, it does have more meaning too. Um, so how do you define hope? Hope. This is very interesting. I heard this slogan once and I absolutely love it. And to me, hope is hang on, pain ends. And I just really like that. Um, Like to me, it's that reminder that, you know, you may be going through something tough, but, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's another side. That's kind of how I view it. And why is hope so important in relationships? So, I don't know if it's so important. Um, I think sometimes it's necessary to kind of hope for the best and hope things work out. But I also think there's a little danger in hoping too much where there might be some um, expectations that come with that um, or a little bit of a deviance from the reality of the relationship. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question because I always thought of hope as like, not necessarily a good thing like yes a little bit of hope is good to have but having too much hope does kind of impose expectations on a relationship especially if you haven't talked about whatever you're hoping for um so do you think is do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing i think you have to be careful with it i really do i you know i always tell people um when they're dating like don't date based on potential date on what you see now and i think it's the same with relationships you know like you kind of have to work with what you got if you're hoping that this person's going to change or that once you get married you know things are going to be different that's when we get into the little bit of the danger zone yeah it's really such a great area because on one hand you want to date this person as they are now and not based on their potential but on the other hand it's like well, you got to give people a couple of chances and then sometimes you don't quite know where to stop. Um, so what are your thoughts on 
the significance of the new year as a time for reflection, reflecting on things like this and in this context, like maybe improving relationships? So those are the type of questions alongside how am I as a partner? Uh, am I giving to my partner back in the same way that I need? And I think all these are super, super important questions that you want to ask yourself and that new year gives you that opportunity to do that natural checking. Mm -hmm. And do you have any suggestions for like prompts um, when it comes to talking about the relationships during the new year and trying to work things out? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think that you can say to your partner, hey, as this new year approaches, I think this is a really great time for us to sit down and kind of talk about how this relationship is going or what we need from each other. And, you know, hopefully we can be fully honest and transparent in this conversation and we can make it light and fun, but it will only benefit us and our relationship going forward. Yeah, that sounds like a really good way of putting it. And I asked that question previously because um, I find that oftentimes either like a friend or I will not know how to talk about things. And I feel like maybe it's just me, but I feel like females are more um, initiative with talking about things, even in like long-term relationships. For some reason, guys can be like maybe they don't really think about it. That's not something they they that crosses their minds. But then we do want to talk about it. We just have no idea how to bring it up sometimes. It's a bit like, it's a bit awkward if it comes out of the blue as well. Um, so I think that, yeah, thinking about prompts before starting a conversation might help kind of move the conversation along a little bit. Um, and can you explain how effective communication like this can benefit the relationship, especially during the new year? Sure. So to me, communication is the hallmark of a healthy relationship. We have to communicate. We have to remember that we're not mind readers and either are our partners. So we need to communicate what we need, what's working, what's not working. Um, so that is why it's so necessary. Uh, to and, and sometimes those conversations are uncomfortable, but then at least you walk away knowing more information. Information is power about how things are going, uh, what you need to work on and so forth. So I do yeah. find it necessary. Absolutely. And I feel like the initial like pre-conversation is always a lot more daunting than the actual conversation itself or after the conversation. Because before the conversation, there's so many mysteries. You don't know a lot. And you just kind of assume a lot of things. You assume like a million different possibilities of like why this person isn't doing something, why this person is doing something. Whereas like, yeah, so like starting the initial task of like the conversation might be daunting, but then afterwards it's it's not that bad. It's kind of like starting working out. You yes. think about working exactly. out like, oh, no, yeah. I don't want to like do any of it. But then once you get into it, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. Right. Complete. And you feel better afterwards. Yeah, you do feel better afterwards. Um, and you only get clarity from there. And yeah, even if it's not the answer that you want, um, yeah. you know what to do now. Right. Um, exactly. So what are some common communication challenges that couples tend to face when trying to work 
things out and improve their relationship during the new year? And how can they overcome these challenges? Sure. So I think the first thing is not communicating enough, just what we were talking about. So I think what happens is people start creating a mental tally in their head. Oh my gosh, they didn't do the dishes. They were late the other day. And they're not kind of speaking about this. Instead of saying when it happens, like, oh, hey, you know, I know things happen, but I was a little frustrated you were late, you know, when we decided to meet at 10 o'clock, right? So that simple kind of just checking in and airing it out kind of helps. But if you sort of aren't communicating it, it sort of adds up. So I think that's one of the first things. And then that builds resentment, which then over time just creates, you know, this explosion when finally, you know, you you reach the end of your rope. So I think that first piece is just not communicating enough about what's going on in your relationship. And I find that resentment is actually such a common issue when it comes to long-term relationships, when you don't talk about things, when you don't kind of like... When you don't nip it in the bud, that's the right phrase, right? That's the right yeah. expression. Yeah. <laughs> I right. always mix it up with something else. I don't know why. No. Um, yeah, when you don't nip it in the bud, when you don't talk things out right when you need to, and you just, the resentment kind of builds up. And then sometimes you might not even know that you're building resentments until it's far too late. Um, and I feel like you have to go through this a few times before you realize exactly what's happening and you don't want to do that. Um, it's just not pleasant. Um, so is the New Year's also a good time at all to bring up past traumas or unresolved issues? Maybe they might be external, maybe they might be like from one of the parties of the relationship, not, not necessarily a relationship issue, but kind of like this is my backstory this is my my lore <laughs> this is my um past and this is why um I act a certain way um why do you think the new year's might be a good time to do that yes I think it's very important to always confront any trauma or issue that you have I think timing is important when it feels right to you that you're ready to face this and kind of look at it because it's not easy it's not easy to look back and say I went through something really hard um, but if you're willing to put that time and the work in and recognize there's going to be moments of discomfort, then I think any time is is important. Um, but if it, you know, if the new year is a good structure for you, then I think that's that's a great that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, that that's a good point because I was reflecting on like why does New Year seem like such a significant time? Why does New Year seem like a good time to talk about these things? Is it just a social construct? Is it like just unnecessary? Can we talk about this at any point in time? And I think you would agree that yes, you can talk about it at any point in time, but and yes, it's a social construct, but if it feels right, then it feels right to talk it out. You might as well just make use of the appropriate time. Um, um, who cares if it's a social construct? Who cares about why? And you don't really have to talk talk it out during the New Year's. Like you can do it after if it feels better for you. But the New Year's just generally seems to be the appropriate time. And if it feels right, then it feels right. And I feel like I'm being repetitive at this point. (laughs) I clean the seat off. So what advice do you have for those hoping to initiate these conversations with their partner, um, especially about shared resolutions and aspirations for the upcoming year? I think my 
first piece of advice is it doesn't have to be so like heavy and okay, we're ready to have the conversation. It can be light and fun. You know, you can go out to dinner. You can, you know, go play mini golf, have this conversation. Like it doesn't have to be this like intense, you know, oh my God, I'm sweating. I'm scared to have these conversations. It can be very fun and simple. And you can even get some cards that kind of prompt these type of questions. Um, it can be very light and easy. And also, you know, if it gets too heavy, you can always return to it later, right? Like, okay, it sounds like, you know, we're getting into this, but maybe you want to take a pause, a timeout, we can return to this in a few hours or days, you know, that kind of thing. So to make it less scary for people, I think sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to have that. And it's like, there are ways around it to make it less scary. That's a really good idea because... Well, the first thing I wanted to point out was it doesn't have to be that heavy. You can make it fun. You can create mind maps. You can create spreadsheets. You can create lists. Those are yeah, always fun. Exactly. I don't know if I'm the only one who finds them fun. But <laughs> spreadsheets and lists and graphs and charts, they are really, really fun. And you can like like color code things. So, and like if you don't, if you don't think that those are fun, then do something that you think is fun. Um, I personally wouldn't do it at mini golf. I think that's too much pressure. I get really stressed out just trying to get the ball in in the hole. One time, I'm so bad at mini golf that like one time I I somehow like shot the ball into a different hole. It wasn't my hole. It was a different one. Right, it was like another course. It's a complete, yeah, it was yeah. on the first try too. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, I'm not doing it at mini golf. Um, but if it feels right to you, it feels right to you. And the second one, yeah, the second thing I wanted to point out was like, um, yeah, you can always kind of do it over a, a few days because sometimes you need time to think about like what your partner's um, saying or asking and you can't really think on the spot so you, you like maybe i don't know if this is a good idea but i'm thinking maybe if one person goes like hey i want to talk about these few things um during the new years um do you want to think about that for a bit and then we can talk about then or you know if your partner's not sure what the answer is you can always be like that's all right you'd have a think about it and let me know when you're ready or we can have this conversation next week um, what are some of the things that have worked for you personally? In having those conversations or? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think communication just naturally comes kind of easy to me. And so I recognize that that's not always the case with everybody, but it's just knowing that at the, at the other end of this, you're, you're going to feel better. You're going to get to know your partner better. You're going to feel closer connected. So I think reminding myself of that is always helpful. Um, that, yeah, I mean, to me, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with somebody that you know, might have been more deep or heavy and not walked away and been like, oh, good, I'm, I'm A, glad I expressed myself, and B, I understand that person better. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, sometimes you don't necessarily want to hear everything, but you do feel a closer connection and you feel more understood by that person or understand that person better. Mm -hmm. And how would you suggest handling a situation where one partner is sort of resistant to these dialogues or mm -hmm. struggling with communication? Right. 
Yeah. And that is that is common, unfortunately. Um, and so I think that you to me, I would ask that person, hey, you know, I know sometimes these are these conversations are a little bit hard. Is there anything I can do to make it easier for you? Right. Um, if you know, is there an environment where it feels a little safer for you? Um, you know, are there subjects that maybe you right now want to say, hey, we can't talk about that, but there are subjects that we can talk about. I just want to make it the, the the most inviting for you to participate. So in your book, Love Hacks, you address common relationship issues. Can you share some of the insights into the most prevalent challenges that people face in their relationships and how they can give their relationships a new start during the year? Sure. So in Love Hacks, I devised the 15 most common relationship issues and three solutions to each. And so some examples would be my partner doesn't listen to me, we're not having sex anymore, we're fighting over chores. These are things that I've been in practice for a long time and I just kind of keep hearing over and over again. And so I can give you maybe an example of, you know, my partner isn't listening to me. Um, one thing that I put in the book is something called fast food communication rule. So a lot of times our partners say things to us, they're upset about something, and we want to immediately kind of explain, defend, argue, you know, all of that. And it's really just sort of stepping back and repeating back what our partner had said, almost like a fast food restaurant when you go and order at the drive-thru and you say, I want to get a McFlurry and fries and the employee repeats back. Okay, so I heard you say you want a McFlurry and fries and they would put it on the screen. Yeah. And then I'll be like, no, I said nuggets. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's the link go on. There's right. And it's the same with our partners. Like there's a lot going on. And so it is really nice to kind of have that check in. And and so, you know, for example, let's say you see your partner, you know, I felt upset that you came home late last night. And so, you know, you just kind of take that pause and you would say, you know, what I'm hearing you say is your pet that I came home late last night. And literally the partner feels really instantly validated because sometimes it's not about the explanation of why I came home late and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I just want you to hear me. I just want mm -hmm. you to, to to really, you know, understand my feelings. So that's kind of an example of a, of a technique. I love the fast food drive through analogy, but from now on, every time I want to use it, I'm definitely going to do the the drive through voice. I'm sorry you heard me, <laughs> you know, exactly. I, exactly. I'm sorry I heard you say that you right. um, said that I came home late. <laughs> is that is that right? Exactly. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> um, so... As we enter the new year, what trends or shifts do you anticipate in the realm of relationships? So something that I have seen is all different types of relationships, uh, which is really fascinating. And I think it's really knowing what works for you. And that might be some trial and error and to figure it out. But I've seen a lot of polyamorous relationships. I've seen a lot of, um, you know, uh, just different experimentations in relationships. I've seen people exploring their sexuality while in marriage. I've seen um, just kind of more, you know, traditional uh, relationships. So I think it's just kind of being open-minded to the variety of relationships that people have and what works for them. And it's a really exciting time too, um, because there's so many possibilities. I feel like now um people are a bit more 
open or hearing about these types of relationships and that allows you to be a bit more comfortable. Like I know some people who um, did, who are bisexual but never explored it because, you know, when, when they grew up, it just wasn't well received and it's just something they had to hide the whole time. But um, now it's something that they can explore and, you know, the poly relationship is getting more accepted as well and it's not it's not a bad way of living at all it's just a different way of living um and that allows them to explore their sexuality something about learn more about themselves too which is great um so as we enter the new year filled with hope well not filled with hope as we talked about but kind of like with a with a little sprinkle of hope like little good good hefty sprinkle uh of hope <laughs> for thriving relationships can you share one piece of wisdom or advice that you believe would make a significant difference in how our listeners can approach their relationships sure i think the number one piece of advice that i would give is to really get honest with yourself right that starts there of hey what am i missing or what am I needing? Or what do I need to work on? And then we can kind of connect with our partners about that. Because I think a lot of times we might people please or, okay, wait, wait, I just want to do this for my partner. I just don't want them to be mad at me and I'm just going to do it this way. And so I think it's really getting honest. And sometimes people don't even know how they feel. They come into my office they're like, oh, I, I don't even know. Right. And so it's really taking a few minutes to really check in and being okay with that and then communicating with your partner. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now we're moving on to the practice slash habits section. And this is where we ask you a bit about the practical side of what you shared with us. So what do you do to improve your communication skills in the context of relationships? Um, this could be on like a daily basis or like a regular basis. Um, but is there something that you ask yourself or like practice with yourself? I think one of the first thing that comes to mind for me is timing, right? I think that a lot of times it's really important to think about when is the best time to have this conversation, right? It's not when my partner comes in the door and they're exhausted and they've had a bad day and I want to tell them how angry I am, right? So it's recognizing, okay, maybe this is better said when things are a little more calm. Right. Because we have to remember communication is a two way street. And yes, it's important we express ourselves, but it's also important that our partner is receptive to what we're hearing. And that oh, means yeah. figuring out a good timing. Yeah, that's really good piece of advice because I think like so having observed some of my friends who have been in long term relationships, I noticed that a lot of the time when they argue, it's because someone said something that could come off as insensitive because they did it at the worst possible time and while what they've said is valid um it's also about like um acknowledging that it might not be the right time for your partner to receive it because if you don't acknowledge that that kind of shows that you're not really taking them into account and that way it's already starting out as like a one-way conversation almost um so are there any challenges when it comes to doing this? Oh, for sure. I mean, when you're angry, right, you want to just get it out. So I think that challenge is being mature and saying, okay, I'm going to collect myself. I'm going to wait because 
again, my partner is going to be more receptive. So the ultimate goal is going to be achieved because we're both going to be able to hear each other versus if they're not in the place to hear it, we're not going to have a productive conversation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I, I'm just now thinking I'm, I'm kind of like envisioning myself in that, in that scenario. And I would definitely forget what I was going to say. So I probably write it down on my notes, but then I feel like, oh, I'm holding it against this person, but I'm not really holding it against this person because I just, I'm just keeping it in the back pocket so that we can have a calm, nice conversation later. It's not, it's not, it's not like I'm keeping ammo to like shoot at them, <laughs> you know? Um, but that's the thought process that I would go through um, for anyone else out there who might worry about that or or be concerned. Um, so based on your experience, are there any other practices that you'd recommend to be combined with this practice that you've just shared to improve on communication skills? Yeah, so I think another thing that I talk about in Love Hacks, my book, is the importance of using I statements so a lot of times we want to immediately blame our partner. You do this and you didn't do this and a lot of you statements. And so if we can focus on what we're feeling, I feel upset when this happened. I felt hurt when this happened. And so it's a much softer way to communicate and our partner's able to hear it without getting as defensive. Yeah, it's a really quick um, and easy. Yeah, I've heard that piece of advice a lot and I've got to say it really does help because it's also like you are you're avoiding kind of that attacking them like kind of feeling um and you're not saying that they're doing anything like wrong but you're saying that's how you feel um and they wouldn't want you to feel that way either so then they'd be like oh no yeah, let me just correct that without feeling attacked. Um, yeah, thank you so much for answering those questions. And now we're moving on to questions from the audience. Are there any specific topics or issues that are especially important to address during the new year? Honestly, I think it's whatever is coming up for the couple. To me, that's the most important. It can be something small or something big, but if it's weighing on you, I think it's important to to talk about it. That's a good point. I'm personally going to bring up the fact that we never watch the movies that I want to watch. And I'm always going to see like sci-fi, not sci-fi, yeah, but I'm, like right. science-y science things, which I don't mind. But like, I really want to watch High School Musical and, and I'm not watching High School Musical. So yeah. I, and I think that's great. And as long as you don't say you, we always watch your movies. You're doing the, it's funny. <laughs> it would be really important to me if we could watch High School Musical, right? Yeah. Back in the format would be great. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, what are some key indicators of a healthy, constructive conversation um, in a relationship? We think that it comes with. I used this word earlier, maturity, right? Knowing that, okay, you know, I, I'm of the age now where I can have these adult conversations. I think tone is really important of kind of me keeping a calm and steady tone. And then that's hard sometimes when we're angry. And so that part of that maturity is recognizing, oh, I'm too worked up to have this conversation now. I need to kind of take a pause and then come back to it. 
And I think th those are the starts of just really kind of initiating those conversations. Yeah, that's a good point. And also kind of like if you find, if you recognize that you're getting a bit heated, kind of mm -hmm. just like stop yourself there for a minute and think about what you're going to say next. Um, and how can couples maintain this standard throughout the year? I think that it's important to have weekly check-ins. I think that this is not a once in a year conversation or just mm. at the new year. I think that, you know, I give my couples this, what I call relationship check-in questions. So if that feels like too much, maybe it's once every three months, maybe it's, you know, yeah. whatever works for you, but I think it's the consistency that's important. So what are the weekly check-in questions? Sure. So some of them would be, how do you feel this relationship is going? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you need from me as a partner? So you're both mm -hmm. answering that. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else? Is there something that I'm doing that's upsetting you? Because sometimes mm -hmm. we may not even realize it. Yeah. So I think yeah. those are kind of the three very important questions. And then there's a couple others, but those are the yeah. kind of primary ones. I love that. And I just envision like myself printing these questions out and kind of like going through them with a clipboard every single week that's really fun my partner and i love to do like quizzes um oh, that's cool. like our personalities yeah. and then like <laughs> so that'll be really really fun and then we sure. can kind of like fill them out and then like kind of file it and everything oh, yeah. <laughs> so i can send them to you <laughs> oh, thank you. I love that. Yes, I love filling course. out things. I love anything with a clipboard Work. makes me feel so important and so that. official. And anything with a filing system with color coding. Oh, yeah. Everyone should do that. <laughs> so how can partners support and encourage each other um, to communicate openly and honestly, um, apart from the weekly check-ins? Well, A, I think it's recognizing how important it is, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it's getting your partner's buy-in of, hey, I think these conversations are important so that we're not creating resentment, that we do have an easier relationship going forward, right? So it's recognizing why these conversations are even important in the first place. I think it's going to be the start of that because if, yeah. if a partner doesn't realize that, they're going to be like, oh, we got to do this again. But if they're realizing, oh, I feel closer to my partner. Oh, I'm actually getting more of my needs met. Ooh, we're having more sex. You know, all of this stuff is like <laughs> light bulb of like, oh yeah, this is Yeah, works. guess what? When I'm happy, you get more yeah. sex. Exactly. <laughs> um, but if the partner doesn't realize that it's important, what can you do then? Right. So I think that if if this were the dialogue that we would be having, I would say to my partner, hey, I've been thinking about it. I think that what would really help us is to communicate a little bit more about our relationship. And the reason I feel like this is important is because I think it'll bring us closer. And I'm recognizing there might be some distance with us. And so if we have these conversations, ultimately, both of us are going to feel happier. We're going to get our needs met and not a mind reader. So sometimes I may not know what you need and vice versa. So I think in doing these conversations, we're actually going to have a stronger, healthier relationship. Mm -hmm. Something along That's, those lines. Yeah. That's a really nice, neutral, healthy way to put it. And that's why you're the professional, because <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that. You know, it's so funny because people always say to me, like, God, could you just do the conversation for me, Kelly? We <laughs> just call in, put you on speaker, you know, but it's also, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm stepped back from it. So, of course, it's easier. But 
know, yeah. just it it just doesn't have to be so intense, right? It can be kind of light and simple. And you know, if you get overwhelmed by these conversations, just remember that you know, simple is okay. Simple is okay. You're going to get your point across. <laughs> Thank you so much for answering our questions, Kelly. And now we're moving on to the open mic section. This is your chance to talk about anything that you're passionate about, and it doesn't have to be related to the topic at all. So take it away. The floor is yours. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much again for having me. And I could listen to your accent all day long. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> love this accent. Um, I what's most passionate for me is right now is recognizing that life is difficult, right? It's going to throw us a lot of challenges. And I, my personal belief is we're supposed to. We're supposed to get these challenges to grow and evolve. Because if we didn't and life was simple, we would just kind of coast and we wouldn't gain resilience and strength. And so I think it's remembering that, yes, life is supposed to be challenging for our growth. And it's really up to us what we want to do with that, right? And we can kind of have an attitude of gratitude, which is kind of cheesy, but true of like, okay, I have, right? I, have I love things that rhyme. Yeah, exactly, right? But <laughs> No, and I'm I'm kind of always amazed with people who, despite their circumstances, can still have a really amazing attitude. And I'll just share, I have a best friend from home. Her name is Lorian, and her mom had multiple sclerosis, MS, and she was wheelchair bound for the majority of her life. Every time I saw her, she was happy and cheerful, and she had all the reason to be miserable and be like, oh, I'm in a wheelchair somebody has to feed me. I can't run. I can't walk. She just was always uplifted. And I think back to that and it's like, you know, she she chose every day to have that attitude. And it's not easy, but every day to to have that. And so I think all of us, we can do that. It's not easy. It's not, it, it takes work, but we can choose to say, okay, look, you know, in this example, I have this debilitating disease, but look, I have my family who I love. I've got music that I love. She loved art, so she'd go to museums. And so I think it's really focusing on the other things in life that are working for you because we can get so honed in on what's not working in our challenges. And so it's really broadening that and um, and looking at is what is working for you. Yeah, I agree. And I know someone with a disability as well, and he is just the most inspiring person that I know. Um, he has the best sense of humor one time i think he mentioned that he went to um he went to a festival a music festival and he saw like either paramore or like the 1975 really really up front like he wasn't at the right at the front and i was like oh my god i'm so jealous and he was like i i use my disability for like to my benefit man like if i can if i can get to the front using my disability right. i would like right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And exactly. yeah, just like they don't even like feel sorry for themselves. They just take what they have and live life with it. And it's just the most inspiring thing ever. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us today. I really had such a great time talking to you. If our listeners want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they go? Sure. So they can follow me on Instagram at at Kelly, K-E-L-L-I, Miller Therapy. That's my Instagram. And my website is same name, Kelly, K-E-L-L-I, Miller Therapy.com. 
Amazing. Um, we'll link it yeah. in the show notes for people who can't spell. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Once again, have a very, very happy new year. And we'll catch you in the next episode in 2024. You've been listening to Veloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Live Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this, from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it and subscribing to our channel as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at re.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Marie Stella. Thanks for tuning in.